Under Channel. The Under. The Under Channel. The Under Channel. The Under Channel. The Under Channel. Welcome to episode three of the Under Channel, the original bullshit podcast. This is Robert Under. Joined as always, I have Aaron. Hey. And I've got Babsy. Yo. Uh, we don't have any keys this week. Um, he decided to uh, ride his bike around in the sun. It's pretty freaking nice out, though. It is a nice. Day yeah, out but there. we told him we could move it along. He could. He only needed to give us an hour to get this shit done. <laughs> this is the weekly part of the show, you know. Bullshit. He's probably sitting playing Twitch. Hey, if he oh, gets absolutely. a couple pictures of some manhole covers, I'm happy. He's just that'd be cool. If he doesn't get any pictures, I don't even. I'm just gonna take We're... his keyboard away. I guess I don't know what to tell him anymore. I want to start with uh, the show I went to last night. I went and saw Animal Flag. Um, they were touring with a band called Cheem. Uh, Mover Shaker played a uh, Detroit band, and then a, tr- a band called Baggage as well at PJ's Logger House. Uh, you guys ever been to PJ's Logger House? No. Once. Once. It's it's a cool venue. Where's it Super at? small. Uh, right near Old Tiger Stadium. Okay. It's on Michigan and 8th. Nice. Michigan and 10th, something like that. Um, but I want to talk about Animal Flag. Well, I kind of want to just talk about the show because I almost didn't go because I hate going to events by myself. Yeah, it's I, it really awkward. Yeah, I feel so strange. Mm-hmm. I usually feel older than everybody there, um, even though I don't think I really am. I think I'm probably like the same age as most of the bands that are like touring and performing regularly, <clears> you know. Um, but I just feel so old there. I feel awkward. And I didn't go see Bliss last week because I felt strange. Right? Man, I was forget like, that, dude. You got to ro- let rock and roll enjoy your soul, man. You got to get out there. I'm talking like hypocrite because I don't go out to many shows. Yeah. But I'll go to a show by myself. I have no problem with it. My wife always is like, what do you mean you're going to go? I have no problem going by myself. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I will make go. connections while I'm go there. I someone else. Yeah. It doesn't I, bother me. Well, I went to the show yesterday by myself, and um, it was awesome. Like. I, I did feel weird at one point because, like, at, I'm sometimes, like, I was the only person standing, like, in the room when the band does sound check. But it's like, I don't want to lose my spot. Yeah. And I'm here to, like, see fucking music. Um, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to push myself to go to more, especially when we're doing these show recommendations, which we'll get to later on in the show. Um, I want to be able to, you know, go out to these shows and enjoy it. And yeah, we got most, that one concert coming up that we're going to be doing. Yeah, well, nobody wants to go to shows with me. That's what it really comes down to. Because I invite hey, man, everybody, I nobody wants to go. to, like, two concerts. We're hitting the hill, yeah, people. Yeah. The hill. Yeah, uh, I guess. Oh, you mentioned Detroit fuckers know what the hill is. Mini promo. We're going to be going to uh, Slip and slide the puke. The Avenged Sevenfold and... I forget who else is with Avenged Sevenfold. Um, Who's on Prophets of Rage. Prophets, Prophets of Rage. Rage show. That's right. Uh, and then the Marilyn Manson Rob Zombie show. Um both this upcoming summer we're going to try to do some pod stuff um before during after the show we don't really know not what so the much actual, during we don't really know what we'll the put um content up of videos with our facebook and see how it goes instagram uh, let's possibly get let's get into the three topics all right so we're going to start off with the uh the recent draft picks of both sports we got basketball hockey drafts that took place uh, in the last week start us out with the pistons draft <laughs> Diddle those bulbs, Rob. Diddle those bulbs. Uh, the Pistons went into the draft uh, with only one draft pick. They didn't have a first-round pick. Uh, they traded two second-round picks over the next two years to get Creighton point guard Kyrie Thomas. Uh, he's a 6'3 point guard, 210 pounds. Um, 
fantastic athlete. He grades out to be uh, the best three and D defender in the draft. This is the first pick this that we the took first in the second round. In the second round, is this yep. the one that we traded to get into? Absolutely. Okay. This is our traded pick. Right. His name is Kyrie Thomas. Uh, he's graded out to be the best three and D shooter in the draft, which is what the NBA is going to. A specialist who can lock down the best offensive player on one end and shoot threes on the other. Nice. Uh, he was the um, two-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year uh, the last two years, and he shot over 40% from threes in college. Okay. Did he have any injuries? Uh, he did. He had a wrist injury, I believe, his junior oh, year. God, That's he's not... going to be like LeBron. Well, I don't, I mean, What's if he's like LeBron, would, I'll, I'll take it all like day LeBron. long. That Give me that. He's just going to be a crybaby. I'll take LeBron all day. Basketball. They say he's built similar to Avery Bradley. Okay. Is the comparison they give him to. So, so do you see him playing in the league right away? Yeah, I do. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the Pistons got um, A's for their draft this year. They I, went into a, I did not see that. They nice. went into a okay. draft without a first-round first pick. Well, Blake they, Griffin was technically, technically the first-round pick. You know, not grading it that way. They wouldn't. Yeah. But looking at it and saying, okay, they came out of it with A's because of the two guys they drafted. So he's probably the most... I don't, actually don't think he might even be the most immediate impact on the team because we have Reggie, uh, short of Reggie Jackson injury, which will most likely happen, right? Yeah. But if Reggie doesn't, which I'm hoping he doesn't, I want him to stay healthy because that's our, our chance and let uh, Kyrie Thomas grow up behind him. Um, the actual, the second guy we picked with our own draft pick, Bruce Brown Jr., shooting guard from Miami. Okay. I think he might be a more immediate impact just because I think he'll be able to do a little bit more without the ball in his hands uh, he's 6'5 um, 190 pounds so he's kind of lean but he'll get bigger going to the NBA um, both of them graded out as first round talent can these guys push our current roster out can they push guys that are currently starters out of their starting spots this season no that's a good no. question okay absolutely not but they're um, building blocks right but they're building blocks and potential six man in one of them Right, and then potential okay. Reggie Jackson replacement in the other. If it goes that way, not bad. It sounds good. Going into the NBA, I'm not a hundred percent with everything in the NBA. I mean, I like the Pistons, and I like to keep track of what's going on. Like we got the coach; he was he got the coach Dwayne of the Casey. year, Dwayne yep. Casey. So he's our guy now. So is this the draft class that he's going to take a hold of and really push? Because it seemed like the Pistons did everything backwards going into this offseason. Mm -hmm. You know, they they were like, okay, let's get a coach before we get a general manager. Right. You know, it's so it like they just, everything they did didn't make sense but to me as a fan on the outside. Sorry, not having a first round pick makes the search for a GM less important. No. No. No, cuz you should have a GM who hires your coach. And then the coach and the GM get the players. Why does that have to be the power structure? I don't think that's how it has to be, but that's what makes sense. Because that's not what, like, I mean, obviously this is an extreme example, so please don't kill me. But that's not what Belichick does. That's okay. not what Popovich does. But they they have total control. Absolutely, and they've earned it. And they they've earned it. And we Dwayne Casey by no means has earned it, but he is a way too qualified candidate to come to this city at this point and be have a boss and and have a boss that he doesn't have. At least equal say to, if not maybe not final veto power, but the idea is like, hey, now we can go get that hot shot young GM who's actually up and coming because we have Dwayne Casey as our coach. Yeah, 
but we, it's not, it doesn't only work that one way. I just way. don't think it's, I don't know. I don't know much about him, so I just see what we just did and what we just went through with Van Gundy. Mm-hmm. We gave Van Gundy the keys to the city, and he just kept changing tires, and it kept stalling out on the road. It just didn't work out, and he was, he had both. Yeah. He was president, it was basketball president of operations, yeah. GM, and coach. Yeah, he, no, we had a president of operations. Okay. He was the general manager and the okay. coach, yeah. But- but that's not what Dwayne Casey wants. Dwayne Casey wants to be your basketball coach. He's here. He's saying, he's saying I don't want control. I want as much control as a head coach. I want to be able to draft or have a, an opinion on the guys I want to draft, just like anything else. I don't think Dwayne Casey's coming here to seize power. He's coming here to, like, return. I don't want to say it's weird to say, like, return Dro- Detroit to greatness or, like, being a good franchise. Like, I think he's a basketball guy. It seems like the Pistons have been on the, the fringe of getting into the playoffs for the last three seasons, and so hopefully he does make that difference. Yeah. Hopefully it's not a long, hard rebuild. It has been. Yeah. I know, that's what I mean. Like, hopefully, it's, well, it has been that long. Turn the corner. Oh, it's Let's been go. bad. It's been bad for a while. I know, you, I know you're, we're about to hop over to the rink, but I don't know, on the hardwood side of it, it's been a uh, a bad seven, eight years. So you guys were all up on the NHL draft now, then, right? You guys seen what the 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 uh, Red Wings managed to pull off? Only because yeah, of this podcast. <laughs> I didn't watch it. I, I did see the the very first pick they made. Uh, when that happened, I saw a lot of good reaction. But the only reason I know anything about it is because we're doing this, and I I wanted to look into it. So yeah, it was nice. Uh, you, you nobody had any faith in Kenny Holland anymore. Is that's the way I'll preface this whole draft? Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. He's still the GM. Um, everybody wanted him out of town. He may have bought himself, and I mean, he's—I think he's got a two-year contract extension, regardless. But with the fans, he may have bought himself at least a season's worth of our favor again. He traded Thomas Tatar going into the trade deadline to uh, Las Vegas, and he scored a decent amount of picks. I mean, we had—is yeah, that where the bulk of these picks came? Oh from? yeah, wow. our, our, Thomas Tatar was that good of a player? No, I fish sticks. That's what I call him. I didn't like fish sticks at all. I was so <laughs> glad to see that dude gone. I always heard him like again, ninety-seven-one driving home. I it was nice not having him on the team no stuff. more. Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't like I didn't like fish sticks. Mm. But I mean, in the first hundred players, <laughs> I love the nickname. The first hundred players, we had six picks. Or, or is it that's eight? crazy. Maybe yeah, it's eight picks. We had eight picks yep. in the first one hundred. Uh, in our first pick, I didn't think it was going to happen. I stayed up and I watched. I watched the draft. I wanted to watch at least the first round because we had the sixth and the thirtieth pick. Wanted to see what we were going to do. You know, we didn't win into the lottery. Um, we all knew Rasmus Dahlin was going to go first. I mean, that was, he was the coveted player. He That's was an awesome name. Is he yeah. Swedish? Uh, probably Rasmus Rasmus Dahlin. <laughs> so he, I mean, he was this year's like knockout drag out. That's the Sidney Crosby of this year type of a thing. Nice. Like he's going to make an immediate impact into the NHL, and that's the kind of thing with the the NHL draft. It's not as exciting as like the NFL, whereas you draft players that are going to start next season. You want them playing right away. The NHL is more like baseball, where you're drafting prospects more or less. You're not always going to get the guy who's going to come in and be the next, you know, Mark Messier, Wayne Gretzky, Steve Eiserman. It's it doesn't always work that way. You know, they go into the farm club. They're, these guys, most of these guys, will be Grand Rapids Griffins oh, if yeah. they don't go back to college or go back to the Look juniors. Look at all our young like guys, that. Larkin so and all them. They, they all came, came from there. So, what's your opinion on Philippe Zadina? Philippe Zadina, you have no idea that was how a miracle. I, it, I was so excited because when we picked at six, he had fell all the way to us. 
and there's no knock on him. It's just other teams had other things they needed to do and address. I was 100% right before we picked, I thought we were taking Hughes out of Michigan because we need defense. And I was like, all right, I guess this, but he's there. Please take him. You know, I like, I'm nervous. Like, I was literally. Like, they still shaking. got a defenseman. They did later on. But yeah, when they took Philip Zadina, I was. Philip? Less, Philip? Philip? Philippe. Does Philippe, anyone know? He's from the Czech no Republic. Philippe, so Philippe. I'm not sure. Okay, I was calling Czech dude. So when we drafted him, I was ecstatic. I. I was fist pumping like this in my bed. He's I was, a pure I was, goal scorer, yeah, man. That's what His we, stats that, are intense, bro. In my opinion, is what we need. We need a guy that well, buries the puck, puts it on the net, and buries it. See, I think Howard could be a good goalie if we had the right defense around him. I don't like our goalies. No, I don't either, but I feel our defense is lacking in that. And but yeah. yeah, but when you uh, – and I, I, I'm assuming this sounds good because what I'm about to read to you guys, right? Give it to us. So in 57 games played – with Halifax. the Halifax Mooseheads, the greatest name for any team. If anyone <laughs> Halifax Islanders. lives in Halifax and you can get me a jersey of the Halifax Mooseheads, I hate hockey, but I'll wear the fuck out of that. We got <laughs> Doug clad people. In 57 games played, he had 44 goals, 38 assists for a combined 82 points. That's not that's that's, that's stellar. Amazing, if he can translate that to the NHL level, it's gonna be he's gonna be a hot yeah. shot. Player. We're gonna see it. They're gonna probably. I don't see. I don't know. I mean, I he's, feel like they might give him he's a shot. Six sometime. foot, one hundred ninety-seven pounds. He should be able to break our lineup. He, he's projected to be among the top six forwards for any club. He that was what his rankings wow. were. He should be able to be a top six forward. I just don't the way the the the, the Red Wings have done things. They bury our guys in down in, in Grand Rapids. I really hope we get to see him sooner than later. He looks like he's got the talent to be sooner than later, but I don't really see him being on the ice in 2018. And then our next pick's Joe Valeno, the center. Same thing. Yeah, I want to say one thing about um, Zadina real quick. I, I think what I liked the most about the pick was his size. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I saw him six one one ninety two when it, well, coming out of the draft. Right. Um, which I sounds small to me. Mm-hmm. Right. But in hockey, that's a good size. So I went and looked. So he's a wing. I looked at the top two wings in the NHL. Uh, Patrick Kane and Nikita Kucherkover. Sure. Shuvaker. <laughs> yeah, Kucherkov from Tampa Bay. Oh, Nik- uh, Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Kane, 5'11", 177. Patrick Kucherov, 5'11", 170. So he's taller than the we guys. We got two inches and 20 pounds, pounds on, him. on him. So, I mean, those are bigger dudes. He's bigger than those guys. So. Agreed. So... He's, Looking at that, does that make him a better defensive forward? He's supposed to have to press. Like he's going to be able to press those smaller guys. Yeah, no, you're right on that, and that's how he scouts out too. As being a player who's highly offensive skilled, but he has a two way game, he can play you know defense as well. Yeah. Do you know who he reminds me of? Just from the little bit of reading I've done, is the coach for the um. The JV team in Mighty Ducks 2. No, Mighty Ducks 3 when they go to college. Okay. The coach of that team. Remember oh, their coach yeah. is like a washed out former yeah. scorer? Well, all of them are. And he had like mm-hmm. a slicked back hair. Like he just seemed like a 90s like hockey You're not talking super about athlete. The, the, what was Are you name? talking about the second I one? I think you're talking about the second one. He coached Team When they Sweden do the USA Iceland, hockey? Yeah, the team And he Iceland. was a real dickhead guy. Yeah, you're thinking of the second oh, movie, bro. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I'm thinking of three was when... 
it's his coach is just his coach. Okay. Okay. Sorry, guys. Yeah, that was just the Icelandic coach. Man. No, it's it's neat because I've watched interviews with Zadina now, and he talks very funny. He has a Czech accent, but he's been in Canada for so long. It's like a Czech Canadian accent. It's French Canadian. It's, it's interesting to listen to him talk. Yeah. So that was in our a first way pick. everything I know about life. I learned from my father so watching after the Blackhawks. Uh, we went in, and I was hoping we would get words. more defensemen, and, and we did make our way there. Detroit we got a few more defensemen, Detroit and Jared McIsaac, Alec Regula, and Seth Barton. I don't know much about them. They're going to get buried in Grand Rapids, and we'll see what happens. And that's what happens in hockey. You pick these guys up, and they get buried in Grand yeah, Rapids. Yeah, they don't give them the chance to perform they, at a top level. Because they're not they ready. They play guys. They're not ready. Either way, you, you're, how do you know when they're going to be ready to play at the top level? Without putting them there and seeing what they do, yeah. And let me you know give you, I mean? let me give you the. They keep the burying them down there, and they just get used to playing that fucking hockey, that type of hockey. So before they, uh, the first defenseman they ended up drafting was that the Jared McIsaac kid. See the first defenseman, I believe so. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he they was. drafted three players before that: uh, Philip Zadina in the first round. Uh, you mentioned him a second ago, Joe Valino, right? Eighteen years old, again six one, one ninety. Yep. This time a center. Played for the Drummondsville Vodaglers, yeah, some uh, some uh, yeah. Canadian team. Again, <laughs> what uh, kind of fucking names are they picking? No, this is what I liked about him. Ready? So this is his split between the regular season and the playoffs last year. In the regular season, thirty three games, sixteen goals, thirty two assists for forty eight points. But in the playoffs, ten games with five goals and six assists for eleven. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good center. He's and and you're talking. You're already talking about putting in an elite scorer on his wing, mm-hmm. and now you're saying and also an elite yeah, potentially elite playmaker, right? Because isn't that the big thing with him, right? Thirty-two game or thirty-three games with thirty-two assists, which means an assist a game. Yeah. So you're putting potentially an eighteen-year-old tandem that can produce you a single goal a game from each of them. I mean, that sounds well, great to me. I that's mean, the a goal and assist. Route yeah. it, but. but that's what I'm saying is like, you bring these two guys in together. Maybe they're not great now. What about when they're 25, 26? They've got some years on That's what under they groom belt. them in Grand Rapids for. Yeah. yeah. They groom them down there and they, they bring them into the lineup slowly. That's been our style yeah, for the last year. They need decade. to be more aggressive with it, man. Yeah. And then uh, at 33 overall, we got this is a cool name Jonathan Bergergren. Yeah. Bergergren. I looked at his name. I was like, John- "No, it's not Jonathan. It's Jonathan." Yeah, Jonathan. <laughs> Another Canuck, eh? 5'11", 183. He is Swedish. Oh yeah. Swedish, eh? This is a cool one. Um, quote from him: "Detroit was my favorite team growing up." Nice. So, which makes sense because he was Detroit born. Detroit sucks. That's all right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he was born in like 2000. Yeah. Um, and we were at the height. We, we, had, we had, had like the height of their mania. God, if he was born in 2000, that means he was two years old when we put the Hall of Fame team together. Yeah. But if he's if he's European, he saw the 2008 team win the cup. Right. That was a European-based team with Nick Lidstrom as Absolutely. captain. And I'm assuming there, I mean, depending on where he grew up in Sweden, there's probably a huge Red Wing contingent anyway. You know, I bet you in oh, certain yeah. parts of Sweden, it's like Red Wing country. Yep, absolutely it is. So The Red Wings travel all over the country, and I would not be surprised if they traveled internationally. Oh, God. And then uh, let's go to the last one uh, the, that I uh, that I graded out. The first four guys is all I did. 36 overall, Jared McIsaac, who was, we're talking about the first defenseman they grabbed. He was Zadina's teammate on the Halifax Mooseheads. So they played together, which is awesome. He's 18 year old, years old at 6'1", 190, the exact same build as Zadina, so you're putting two beasts on the size ice. Absolutely. 
38 it's a great assists idea they do. in 65 games. 38 assists in 65 games. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's a natural passer. Um, you're going to see him feed the puck a lot like uh, Brian Rafalski did, for anybody that remembers Brian Rafalski yep. on the, that we got from New Jersey way back when. Um, that's his style of play. Um, I don't think anybody else has really equated him that way. I've read other things where they compare him to other players, but to me, I, he reminded me of Brian Rafalski's type of play. Um, he's not bad. Uh, he, he's exactly what you need. You need a guy that can be the quarterback of your blue line, that can get the puck out of the zone and, and set the other the forwards up. Yep. And, and to have that playing experience with your potential future scoring leader, right? Him and... Uh, Zadina have been playing together in Halifax. So, how many? And I, I should have looked yeah, into how this. How many assists? How many of his are, assists yeah. were Zadina goals? That's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, those two already are going to naturally have a chemistry. Oh, they're going. They're click. the same size, right? Like, um, and they're young, right? They, you're. This isn't. They're not in the NHL. These aren't professional athletes uh, flying around the country together in a yacht. These are they're on a bus together. Yep. The Halifax Mooseheads probably have like it. They probably elephant walk. You know. Yeah, they, yeah, they probably have bobsleds. That's how they get under there. <laughs> you don't know what an elephant walk is? The moose heads no. on the bobsled it's team. A, it's a hazing thing you do in ice hockey when you do like Ooh. a team building thing. I don't do hazing. That's gay. Or you do fire alarms. Those are funny to do with people. Is it a hazing thing? Yeah. Oh, that's gay. Kind of. All right, so uh, Just take your ass in someone's face. All right, actually, real quick, you guys, what do you grade the draft? A, a through F. I'm big on I'm big on the Wings draft. Uh, if just on myself, just on, just on the. I, I mean, I really only looked into this guy Zadina on our first pick. The rest of this team, I didn't know anything about these guys until we started getting this stuff together to talk about it. Because hockey, again, you're not going to see these guys right away. So we draft them. Their prospects. Yeah, I'm going to give them like a a hard A. Yeah, if I'm giving it a grade, I'm saying it's an A. I'm saying Absolutely. it's a hard A. I'm excited. Close to a B. That's how I should rate my drafts. Forget grades. Excited or not excited. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited. Good. Yeah, we got it. I hey, like uh, the team duo. Anyone listening, if you like to hear us talk hockey or basketball, just let us know. Obviously, hit us up on our Facebook, the Twitters, all the different sites. Robert Under on the Under Channel. Your guide into the other side. Other side. So I don't know if anyone around here has noticed... Um, there is an exorbitant amount of road work happening in Metro Detroit. Fix the damn time. roads. Yeah, no, there is. It's, There's it's too many. And it's like, it's. I'm happy that they're doing it. Don't get me wrong. But the amount and length and how everyone intersects the next, and it's just displacing traffic like it's insane. Yeah, so we have the uh, the 696 resurfacing through Oakland and Macomb counties. I-94 uh, different resurfacing, uh, and there's also bridge repairs. Uh, 75's got a major resurfacing going on. Um, Hall Road has a major resurfacing going on. And that's been going on for Piss. five years. Yeah, so is Van well, Dyke. M59. Van Dyke's oh, yeah, had Van Dyke. the same thing. They yep. Every summer they do like three uh, miles worth of Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's such a cluster out there. You really, there's no road you can take anymore where you're not going to hit construction. And all of this is already bad enough until this story came out. <laughs> so a half mile of the freshly laid concrete that was put on 696 had to be dug up after it was graded out to have to be below standard material. <laughs> they used below standard material to put this, 
to put this road together. This road, this crippling road work that all of us across the metro all flooded. are dealing with. You know that, right? That's where that massive flood was. That goes. Roseville area there? Yeah. Hmm. Think about that. That was like 13 feet underwater for a few days. Yeah, but I don't think that specifically. Dude, that can, well, look what happened up in the UP. Well, 60 actually, sinkholes in like three days. But I, I actually know what what the issue was. So um, when they when they lay the pavement, um, they have steel bars they put in as like additional support. Um, those were not laid out correctly. They're supposed to be laid out at a certain interval, and they weren't. So they didn't grade out correctly. So the representative for Michigan Roads or MDOT, whoever the hell it was, said, well, it was only about a day's worth of work that they really had to tear up. Still, this project on 696, just 696 alone, I'm not going to talk about the other ones. This is affecting from 94 to 75. To 275. Yep. Like it's this isn't going to end till November. The mm-hmm. road, that road, that stretch of road. Some of these, when I was researching completely them, completely closed. Some of these, when I was researching them, their end date is in 2022 because they're the spread total out project. over multiple summers. Yeah, for the oh, total this project. This is the beginning. I understand this is right now, yeah. but this is just this isn't going anywhere. Nope. This is Michigan summer for the next ten years. Six ninety six is how I get to your place in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. If I want to get to your place in ten minutes, six ninety six west. Boom, I'm here. Not anymore. But on the flip side of that. What have we been saying? The city's building up. That and how shitty have the roads been? Yeah, this so is just, long. yeah. They just decide, hey, we finally got the money to do it or whatever. Yeah. Well, I would say that one one quote that was uh, inspiring in that article that I read was um, the guy from the road work said, you know what? We, we decided to tear it up because the roads that we're repairing right now are 40 years old. Yeah. And we're trying to do something that's. Uh, going to match that, right? We don't want to have to do this again in 10 or 15 I'll years. Give a f- yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they road. have to fix the problem. How long was it after the winter that we just had and all the potholes that were created and how many people that's that it just drove everybody insane? So as much of a headache as it is to have these damn road projects going on, at least they're fixing them finally. At least there's something going on. Yeah, that's the only thing. It's just they're all happening all at once and it's yeah. in a tight group. It's insane. Like, I had to, like, I didn't even know that Commerce Road going west had down to just one lane. And they were only, they were doing a system of letting, like, 10 cars go in the middle of Rochester or in the middle of the street in downtown um, Commerce Mm -hmm. in Bloomfield Hills or whatever. And it was just, like, letting 10 cars at a time. I sat by the fucking getting onto it. Right by one of the lakes for like 15 minutes straight. I didn't move for 15 minutes. I believe it. It fucking sucked. Yeah. Coming home from the show last night was brutal, man. It, it was. Yeah, like 94 from 8 Mile into whatever's like yeah. all closed off. Yeah, it, it was just an awful, an awful situation. Hey, man, this is a great show, right? I don't really like music. What? I said I don't like music. Uh, what are you doing here then? Uh, my buddies brought me here. They said I need to get out of the house. Okay, so what do you mean you don't like music? Musicians are self-absorbed wastes of people's time. What the hell are you talking about, man? The idea of live music is stupid and cliche. I'd rather be at home beating off. What the fuck? Yeah, they're up there stroking guitars, microphones, looking sound and acting like total assholes. That up there is art, dude. Shitting on a bowling lane and rolling it down at the pins can be art. But this, this is pure waste. Whatever, dude. You should go home and jerk off. Yeah, as soon as I can. 
You're so full of it, dude, and I can prove it. How's that? I'll bet you you're a world-class musician. What are you talking about? Well, you said you'd rather be at home beating off, right? Yeah. Well, that's it, then. That's your instrument. <laughs> Whatever, man. Screw you. Yeah, see you never, you skin flute-playing motherfucker. Dude probably looks like a jerk-off when he's jerking off. And who the fuck is playing quiet? Uh, so we've gotten to the part of uh, the interview where uh, I knew you, right? Because when, yeah. I, when I first met you, you were playing in Frank White. You actually was, I want to say maybe you had just released the, uh, the self-titled, the first of many self-titled, uh, the, <laughs> the demo, the Skull and, Skull and Crossbones yep. demo. Okay, okay. Um, and it, almost what you said earlier, like anytime throughout my years, like people had handed me like CDs or like shown me bands there, and I was always like, I, I mean, it's a local band. Like, yeah. Okay, I can, I can see this person I know being in this band, right? But when you showed me Frank White, I was I was like, how is this not a professional? Like, how is this, why is this guy working at Walmart with me? Like, why am I hanging out <laughs> with this guy on Saturday? You know, like, we're... I had the opposite effect. I was like, well, I guess I won't know Ben for much longer. Frank White has <laughs> taken off. I, I was just like, I really remember thinking that it was like such a step above where, like, any local bands I had ever listened to before. And I wasn't even a huge punk rock fan. Like, uh, Blink One Eighty Two, Green Day. Yeah. Mostly, I like listen to like Nirvana and different yeah. stuff like that. But yeah. like something about like the, it was probably like my first real punk rock band that I liked, and I I've just ever since then I've, I don't think there's a bad Frank White song all the way no, through the there's not. And I, I'm a I'm a huge like I, Ben's flavor of music in through this is with me too. Like I love Bad Religion. I love Rancid. Yeah. I love the Transplants. You yeah. know the Descendant. I love like all that stuff that I mean like. Oh, you can't get better music than that most of the time. <laughs> and then when he came out with this band, I was like, well, I don't, I, just like I said earlier, like Ben's going to make it. This is it. <laughs> this is a killer band. They're out of control. The attitude is perfect. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to make uh, the audience wait too long. We'll, we'll go right into a Frank White song. We're going to play okay. uh, the very first song off the very first release from Frank White. <laughs> Fucker, you are 
roll through the members of the band, right? So Jesse and Fee were before I go. They were in before I go, and they were the first. I think the first two people in the band, and I think the reason that before I go start, or I'm sorry, bleh, the reason that Frank White started was was like a it was like a there was a bunch of things that was like a perfect storm for this band. Um, before I go had broken up or were in the process of breaking up. Brad Gilbo, the singer before I go, similarly to what happened with Danny leaving only in movies to join the audition because the audition was signed. Brad Gilbo, who was the singer of Before I Go, left to join this band, Roses Are Red, to play bass for them, and he was barely a bass player. <laughs> but he joined the band just because they were signed, signed. and they were touring yeah. and all that stuff. And it really pissed off the other guys in Before I Go. Because they're like, why? Like, this guy doesn't... Because they were touring really... too, right? They yeah. were just independent. Yeah. Yeah. And Before I Go was a great band, and, and Roses Are Red was all right, but, like, it was, like, to them, they're like, what? Like, what the fuck? And then I was just coming out of the Only in Movies kind of thing and, and the uh, the Cinematic Sunrise stuff, and I was like, fuck this music that's not punk rock. Like, why did I do this? Right, yeah. And... um. This was a perfect answer to that question. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Well, seriously, it's kind of like what what ended up happening. And not when I look back on the you know the songs I did with Cinemax Sunrise and only movies. Like I, it's cool, man. I like all the music, but that was why Frank White started. We were like, all these people are doing these other bands because it's cool and fashionable and all this shit. And they're they're like, like why isn't it about the music anymore? Right. right? And that's and, and even though like none of our bands like were big outside of Detroit, like really, like to us we it was like Frank White was like a rejection to to all that. You can bullshit. hear it. You can hear it. You yeah. can hear it in the music. Every song I've ever listened to, Frank White it just that whatever you guys had mindset wise, when you put your fingers to strings and drumsticks, it transferred. Yeah. Well, it, it let's mention let's mention Jake uh, real quick. Oh yeah, so so yeah, we got we got to get to Jake. So the original drummer of Frank White was a guy named Jake Sulk, which is ironic that our the guy that replaced him's name was Jake also. Mm -hmm. um, but, Same guy, just switch his face. Yeah, Jake. I don't. I mean, Jake Sulk. I think I've got the name, the last name right. But he, literally one day, just we couldn't get a hold of him, and he was gone. And that the first EP, which is the demo with the skull yeah. on the front, right. Four of those songs were were recorded when we didn't have a drummer. Jesse played the drums on them, mm -hmm. um, and and in retrospect, did a damn fine job. Um, but in the fifth song, or the sixth song, I don't know how many songs are in that demo, but the the song was it all worth it? Was the yeah. only song that Jake Brasokas actually played drums on on that whole demo. Okay. Um, so Jake Brasokas, they're like, hey, do you know a drummer? Um, and I was like, yeah, I know this guy. And they're like, well, is he good? And I was like, yeah, he's good. <laughs> and, and they're like, well, I was like, I'm like, I used to be in a band with him. So Jake, yeah. enter Jake Brasokas came yeah. back in. Um, Which made him a, a, technically a super group, right? Before I go and designed by you. Like, yeah. Uh, basically the, those two bands formed Frank White. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jake joined and after the first day, they're like, holy shit, this guy's, this guy's good. And, and and Jake is a great drummer. Yeah. So that was that was how that band started. The other the other thing that's cool about it is with with the formation, right? The two guitar players had been playing together, mm -hmm. so they had comfort. They knew how to play, yep. and you as the rhythm section had played together. So there was already some comfort between it. And it was two like plus two, two equals four. You know, two factions. Yeah, so. it, it actually it molded together pretty well. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. like kind of right off the get go. And for me, like 
you know, even having been in bands like, it, 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 I mean, it, it sounds like weird going back to the like the whole before I go thing, but like even having been in bands with like, you know, Craig Owens was like kind of rising to fame as the the Metro Detroit's like emo, you know, like rock star kind mm-hmm. of guy. Like before I go was like my favorite band when I was in high school, like local band. So like I was like, holy shit, I'm gonna be in a band with these guys, and it was it was cool. Yeah. Um, the, the second release you guys did, the Break, uh, Breaking Bad Habits EP, I don't know, what's the, is that the official title or is it just it's another just Frank called, White? It's just, just another, another Frank, Frank White. Frank White, yeah. White self-titled too. Yeah. Um, when, cause that was probably the apex of the band, right? Like right around the time you put that out, obviously it has like Live Forever and those songs on it. Um, that I, cause I, we, I went to most of the shows, Frank White shows at that time. The reaction people had to that band, like you could they could feel the honesty in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel fake when you listen to yep. Frank White. Like the shows were like big. I don't want to say a group hug, right? But w- when you would play the Static Age or something like that, it was like everyone knew all the words. Like it was like what you see when you watch like videos of good. And punk it's great bands too live. because you you had that going. And I'm not saying I went to the shows or anything, but I, I, you would talk about it the next day all the time. And you had you had that feel like you seen it was like a genuine like everybody gets it everybody's in on this and you were talking to me about another like the guy who like owned the club or or the promote or something along those lines and he's like you know you're really playing uh music for 12 year olds and uh (laughs) you're just not going to get anywhere if you keep doing this you don't understand your target audience and it's like that dude doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about yeah Yeah. what's cool about frank white is uh they're they're a pure punk band right like as as close to non-subgenre punk as you'll find but you can definitely hear like i want to say classic rock influence and like the guitar, especially the guitar playing yeah. you know the way uh a lot of the guitars lead in or some of the lines they use it feels like you're listening to like a classic rock or like a throwback 70s rock yeah band. even yeah. even just on the song we just listened yeah. to life is this fight when it's yeah you know you get in that little those lead guys licks. were really into like guns and roses and stuff. oh i can oh, see that so yeah. that was like uh i mean yeah that's no surprise like that's funny yeah that's They'll they'll like they'll like hearing that. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's do a song off that second EP. Uh, we're going to play "Breaking Bad Habits." Good song. <laughs> Yeah, I'm freaking bad habits tonight! 
So as I said, uh, I, I believe with the release of that EP, that was probably about the apex of, of what Frank White was, right? Um, what was the, was there buzz around the band? Like, were you ever, were you guys ever fielding offers for, I know uh, the two guys, they were in school, like going to be surgeon, you know, the guitar players, but was there a thing where it was like, come tour with us, like do a national tour? Like, was there any kind of... I'm, I, with that band, no, but we, we unfortunately never were able to really pursue that just because of like jesse going to med school and stuff like yeah. that now we did like life happens yeah you know that first demo actually our friend mark sent it to fat records and they liked it and we they were like hey this is cool like um the fact that they responded to him is, is actually kind of fucking amazing yeah because like they would just not say anything they probably get 200 cds a day yeah like at, at that time of just shitty bands but they got back to him and they were like hey this is cool um you know we it, it was something along the lines of like you know we can't we can't sign this band right now but like send us the next thing they do and we'll talk and it, we just it just never really happened. Yeah. Not to say that we were that we'd missed out on something. I mean, it was just kind of like, oh, that's cool. They they thought it was nice. even to be considered. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of cool, but it was it was hard because I think Frank White is like the one band that I think, you know, we I talk about like only movies could have done something if we would have refined it shit a little bit better because I think it was the right place at the right time. Even though the demos are a little rough, but it was the right people. Mm-hmm. Frank White was like also like another one of those scenarios, but. We were never really able to pursue it. Like and if you we, guys had been, like if if you guys had been in the place to hit the road, you know, and go out to cities, like I, you could see a following build. Like the, the, that's the thing about that band is that in the in two thousand seven, punk rock as we know it was not big. Like it was actually pretty small at the time. Um, and bands like Rancid were playing in places like St. Andrews Hall yeah. where five years later, like th- five years after, t- you know, 2013, 2012, they were back playing at the Fillmore again, mm-hmm. like bigger venues. Yeah. But it, it kind of took it, it took a dive a little bit. And even like the big bands were playing smaller venues. So there weren't a lot of local punk bands either in 2007. I mean, there was no scene for punk like that. That existed in Detroit. Yeah, and if there damn was, shame. I, I sure as hell didn't know about. No, it. absolutely, because well, all the shows I was going to, it was almost always Frank White and hardcore bands. Yeah, it uh, was weird. Like the Static Age, like it was every time you guys played there, it was always uh, like you guys with you know played with Crime and Stereo. Like you always played with like hardcore bands, but you were like the biggest local punk band. You know, like it was weird. Yeah. You're, like, you're like a local opener on a show that really didn't have anything to do with what you guys were doing yeah we 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 played with a lot of weird bands man and and man that crime and stereo show was like that at the time i love that band i still do that album like to be able to play with that band on the tour for the album that they were doing was like that was like a big thing for I've, me i've always maintained that the crime and stereo show is my favorite show i've ever seen that was the static fest it was like a 10 yeah, hour show yeah. and they headlined it and the the so- I don't know if have you ever been to Static Age. It was like a coffee shop they converted into a venue. Okay. And like the stage, like you're an inch away from the band when they're playing. And nice. like, band, where's it at? It was in downtown Romeo. Romeo. Okay. Yeah. It was really, yeah. uh, and Crime and Stereo is just such a fucking fantastic there's a, uh melodic hardcore band and there's a lot of like straight edge hardcore groups that yeah. like, they would play there and stuff like yeah, that yeah, okay yeah. i'm familiar with it i i probably have been to it now that yeah. i think about it it was yeah, run by yeah. straight edge guys right yeah, yeah 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 but that was a cool show man but we you know we 
we were able to play with bands like you know the casualties and and strike anywhere and crime and stereo because there were no other bands (laughs) (laughs) they just there weren't around so like i think we got a little bit fortunate yeah and we played like the first teenage bottle rocket show ever in detroit which was which was kind of cool um stepping away from music for a second like this is around the time you, you started losing a bunch of weight you really started to uh because I'd always, especially I'm a bigger guy and we were friends and I was always like, well, at least I have a fat friend with me. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not just a, I'm just, that's just like a solo fat guy. Cause I, all of my friends in my life, I was always the fat guy. And then, uh, my one fat, fat friend got healthy, you know? <laughs> and I remember, I specifically remember cause we would, we would always go to gas stations, get uh, Arizona's. And the one day you were looking at the ingredients to find out which one had natural sugar. And I was like, oh fuck, it's He's all like, changing it's here. It's over now. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. Yeah, was there a reason, or was it just health? I'm assuming. Yeah, I just, I, I just had a, I don't know, and I've even put a little bit of weight back on, never to where I was, but it just like I just had to get a little bit healthier, man. I was yeah. just, you know, eating Jets pizza every yeah. fucking. Well, day. It's, it's funny because you you weren't into drinking, like you weren't into like drugs or anything. Nope. Like it was literally you just because of like the way you were eating, like yeah. the lifestyle you're doing. Yeah. So it wasn't like and you were sick of feeling like shit. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know, my family was never like a big, big fitness family. You know what I mean? Like it was just like you know, you got home from school and you played video games, or you you got a bag of cheese balls and watched TV. You know, yeah. that's just like what yeah. we did. And I, you didn't, you didn't Strong know, move. you didn't know yeah. any better. Like that was just it. So I didn't ride my bike ever. I didn't really play sports. I played like little league baseball, but after that, mm, I didn't really yeah. do anything. Like, yeah. So I just, I don't know, man. I just kind of had to get get my shit together a little bit. <laughs> so after the the Frank White EP, uh, the second Frank White EP, you I thought originally it was going to be a seven inch at one point, but you recorded uh, three songs, one of which was a Lillingtons cover band. And I know at that time you had you were like in love with the Lillingtons. Yeah. Um, what was it? Just were you guys planning on doing an album, or was it just you had a couple songs we that were, you were? We were supposed to do a split EP with For Dire Life's Sake. That's what those songs were actually written for, which is why that EP is a little bit darker, I guess you could say. The songs are a Absolutely, little more aggressive. Yeah. Like it's three it's three songs from that recording, but it was supposed to be those three songs on one side of a seven inch with For Dire Life's Sake doing two or three songs on the other side. And it just never it never happened. We wrote and recorded our side of it and just never <laughs> and just never were able to do it. So it just it kinda got put out on a bunch of cds that were compiled of like unreleased shit oh okay it's pretty much how it ended up coming out yeah we're gonna uh just jump out and listen to murder on my mind
what did the guys in Frank White think when you brought that Lillington? Or did they know the Lillingtons? Like, were they on board with doing a cover of it? They were, yeah, they were on board with it. They they weren't familiar with it, but they they were, they liked the song. And I think they got into the Lillingtons after doing it. So they, they were like, oh, this is pretty, pretty fucking cool. This band's cool. So they were on board. It was a pretty easy one. We didn't really do covers. That was like the only, yeah. I'm trying to think if there was ever another cover we ever did. I'm like, you know, I, there might have been a time where we busted into like a cover just like at a playing a house party mm-hmm. show or something, like playing a rancid song. Mm-hmm. Just just unrehearsed. Yeah. yeah. Just a, but like that was the only time we ever like, hey, we're gonna do this cover. Yeah, it was it was cool. I mean I, I kinda see why though, because well one, you guys were just doing, you know, demos and EPs, right? You hadn't done a full length up to that point. So it's like you, you could play your entire discography. It wasn't like you had an album where there was a couple filler songs. Like every single song on all of your releases you were playing live. You know, you had, and they only gave you a certain amount of time to yeah, you know, yeah. perform. So yeah. um, so this was, uh, I want to say there was like a mini hiatus here with Frank White for a while. Yeah. And this is when you played in a band called Seven Game Series. That was another really short yeah. one for, for different reasons. But um yeah. Yeah, you played. Yeah, it was uh, with the the singer from Soapbox Paradox, right? Which is fucking awesome pop punk ska band. Yeah. Um, and was Jake in Seven Game Series as well? No, it was Jim Margul. Jim Margul, right for yeah. Watu. Yep. Uh, so I I just really wanted to make sure I mentioned this because I remember when you recorded this EP and there was like a song called Dark Angel and some other ones. This was f- awesome. Like this is a, such a good EP, and I remember you uh you were like. It's great because he sounds like Fat Mike, you know, and it really is. It's like no effects. And I don't know if you, any of the bands you had played in before, you really got to explore like that no effects style, uh, yeah. traditional punk. Yeah. I'm geeked. I, I never got a chance to listen to the seven game series stuff. I remember when you started promoting it, you know, I was like, oh, okay, Frank White's done. So what's Ben up to now? <laughs> All right. We're going to go ahead and play superhero. All right. too long But I really haven't found it yet And are we running out of time But read the message I just sent And then I just happen to
so Frank White uh, had a four-year, five-year hiatus between actually like releasing music, right? It was a, at least a couple years. And uh, when it came back, I think it was when you released it, you had changed the name to Black Jack Wilson of the band. Well, the the album was originally released as Frank White. Was it? It was. And was then, it still All Glorious Fleeting? Yeah. Okay. It was still All Glorious Fleeting as a Frank White album, but um, we we ended up having to change the band name. Why did you have to change the band yeah. name? So we ended up getting like a an email that was like a cease and desist from a rapper. Oh yeah. Okay. And it was the whole the whole thing was kind of. The whole thing was kind of fucked up, man. Like, it, it was, to us at the time, It the reason it was so messed up to us is that we weren't a band that was, like, making money. Right. Yeah. We were a band that really enjoyed doing it a lot, and a lot of people liked our band and what we were doing, and it was just more of, like, a thing amongst, like, a small group yeah, of people, passion. basically. It was a passion project. Yeah. yeah. And then this guy, like, you know, and the reason, the only reason it happened is he you know i actually talked to this guy on the phone um and interesting conversation <laughs> yeah because i i tried did, to did he make you call him frank white well i tr- <laughs> that was his actual name oh really it's really? his real well, name was I mean, frank white. so he wasn't trying to use it as the gangster moniker well so that's the th- so that's the thing about it right so the notorious big one of his aliases was frank white yeah you know so like but the gangster alias so we got the band name because it was Frank White, the the gangster. There's also a movie Frank yeah. White, but the same yep. same character. And then you got Notorious B.I.G.'s alias. It was Frank White. And then there was a baseball player. His name was mm-hmm. Frank White too. Yeah. So like it was like it was kind of this cool thing that had three references. Yeah, that movie is is it is it City on Fire? Yeah, Christopher, Christopher Walken. Kings of New York. Kings of New York. King, yeah, that's King, it. Yeah, is nope. Christopher it's, Walken or Will Christopher Walken. Yeah, Christopher yeah. Walken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I have to, I have to uh, interrupt you just for a second because I remember when you first introduced Frank White to me, and you told me the name of the band. I was like, oh, that's a cool, that's a cool name. And you're like, yeah, it's from a uh, a notorious Big song. I was like, oh, cool. Have you looked to see if anyone else has it? And you go, yeah. I looked. There was a rapper, but and you said like, well, fuck that guy. Like I remember specifically you going, <laughs> but fuck that guy. That's I was a like, thing. I can fair hear enough. It. Yeah. I can see well, it. it was more like <laughs> you're not competing, right? His audience exactly. isn't competing with you. You can't. Man, like nowadays, like coming up with a band name, it's like a joke because it's with the internet, every band name is taken ever. Ugh. I mean, really, if you come up with something that's unique and not taken and you can get Facebook.com slash whatever your band name is, you're, you might as well uh, get a it. fucking Grammy yeah. because yep. you figured out something that no one else has. But but it was not it, – it didn't matter. Like it didn't matter. I mean there's – you think over time like how many bands – like how many bands were named Death? There was a metal band yeah. named Death, but there was also a Detroit band yeah. named Death. And yep. did that matter? No, because people were not fucking stupid. Right. Um, but this guy just didn't like it. Not to say that he was stupid or anything, but he just didn't like – when we put it on iTunes and everything and he saw gotcha. it and it came up in the same listings as like his music – he was pissed. Wow. <laughs> and he owned like a, you know, something that registered it for him. And he sent us the thing. And I, and I told the guy, I'm like, he, and, and when I talked to the guy, either via email or whatever, you know, he'd said, he goes, yeah, I've known about you guys for like a long time, like eight years. I've known about you guys. Yeah. And he goes, but you guys have never put any music on like real distribution and real. So he's like, I never really cared. Yeah. But then, so when I when I we talked to him, we were like, "Well, can we just take the music down off of iTunes and continue?" And he's like, 
and we basically just had you know what we're changing the band name we took all the music down and that was it gotcha. and uh so the the all glorious fleeting um the last album that frank white did um a lot of those songs were around for a while right like you yeah didn't, you didn't do like a mass session because you guys had been a band and you guys had only recorded you know 12 songs or whatever up to that point but you had a whole bunch i, I remember you saying you, there was the the frank white ep that had to live forever on it yeah. and and breaking bad habits when we recorded that ep we actually tracked 23 songs wow but we only finished vocals like literally i have tracks all the music recorded for yeah. 23 songs and we ended up only it, that's just a lot of work man yeah 23 fucking songs but that's why we only released it as that and then like fight or flight and uh I don't know if the bullet was originally on there, but Fight or Flight, which was on that little three song yeah. thing, was was also part of that. Nice, um, you did a new version of it. Yeah, that's cool. And then there's, uh, you know, there were some other songs like Yes It Is, yeah, um, which was also kind of released later, was part of that session. Um, there was another song called Tell Me, which those those the music from those are from that original album session that became the, the Live Forever and Breaking Bad yeah. Habits EP. Uh, but yes, it is, and the other one were kind of just finished later. And some of these other songs were re-recorded versions of songs that we used for that. And I, Woodward was one of them for sure. Yeah. Um, the way it goes, I think, is another one of them. Yeah. I, I, I'm. I plan on uh, to end this segment. I'm going to play Woodward. Okay. Uh, because I remember when you were talking about the songs, and you were telling me that you have some song about going down to see the Tigers, like play baseball. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, if you're gonna write, I fucking love the Tigers. I love you know Frank White. So if it's gonna be a song about that, it's got to be great. And I didn't even hear you had told me about it probably six, seven years before I actually ever heard it. Because even when you released that album, I, I wasn't you know privy to it. So. Yeah, yeah. We never yeah. finished the vocals on it though. That's no? kind of why. Hmm. Do you? Uh, <laughs> I guess we can close it out with the song. Do you have any like? Final remarks on Frank White, Black Jack Wilson, Black which Jack is Wilson. it's still a tough ass name. It's, it's Don't cool get name, me wrong. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, no, not not really. Other than hopefully, hopefully we'll be playing again soon. Yeah, nice. I know we've talked about it. Just it's it's gonna it gets harder. Yeah, you guys are spread out a little bit, so you have to be you know uh, stars aligning. Sure, absolutely. <laughs>
Show recommendation for this week is, uh, I'll be honest, I'm not super stoked on this band. Um, That's the main headliner. Um, The band is Just Friends. They're kind of like a ska, funk, um, emo kind of band from California. Um, they're they're like a buzz band right now. Like there's a lot going on with this band right now. They just released an album. A lot of people calling it like album of 2018 kind of stuff. Um, I actually like the lead singer. He has a band called Snooze. They're they're like a Weezer clone. I think that band's a lot better. I mean, I say a lot better because they're a Weezer clone. But um, <laughs> they're I I like Snooze more. But I will recommend Just Friends because not only is it probably the the independent rock kind of punk rock. Uh, concert of the summer this series that is um, this one that they're on um, but also it's it's pretty good stuff and I think you guys will dig it the song is called nothing but love off the new album and they're playing July 2nd which is Monday at Desert Oasis Coffee Roasters in Rochester where, where is that at in Rochester Hills I, I don't know. It's I think the address was down there. Did it say Main Street? Oh yeah, South Main Street. Okay. So it must be a coffee shop that does shows at night because it nice. shows at 10 p.m. You guys want to maybe try going? Yeah, I, I plan on going. What day? Ooh, interesting. It's not Monday. Well, I'll be trying to snake me. Is this like a? No, I like Branson bands. Yeah. I love brass and bands. <clears throat> Dude, we're going to let the old people go through it. It's just like party punk, you know? Yeah, let's get down. I don't know if we can oh, go to this show. shit! Because there's a good chance we might get pulled into a group hug at some point, and I don't think we can risk that. <laughs> Street cred, man. No, are they, uh... Coming? Are they from Michigan? No, they're from California. They're on tour okay. right now. They're touring with a band called Graduating Life, who's also from California, and they're just a more traditional kind of outsider it? punk. This band's headlining. Okay. Yeah, but uh, Graduating Life and this band are actually sharing three members that are touring. Like the lead singer, the guy from this band, I think is playing bass for Graduating Life on tour, and then he's playing, you know, doing vocals in this band. So. It's also Mover Shaker from Detroit, a band called Dogleg from Detroit, and uh, there was one other opener, but... <laughs> I love watching people not know if you're These guys bring the fun. Yeah. I like them, man. I will go well, I'll go to this concert. If anyone's is it looking, a weekday? It's a Monday night. It's next Monday. Let's go. If anyone out there is looking for you know, an opportunity to go see a buzz band, if there is one, this is a buzz band right now. Like this band, um, with this album that just came out, um, they're going to get a lot of opportunities. You're going to probably hear their name a lot. You know, they're going to 
uh, make the rounds. So uh, if you guys do head out to the show, um, hit us up. Uh, I'll be there. Uh, hopefully Babsy will be there along with me. Yeah, I'll go. And I'm going to try using out the tag, uh, the hashtag TUC attends on Twitter. The Under Channel. It's an hour you can't escape. With NHL free agency about two weeks away, fans are rabid, wanting to know what the July 1st deadline will bring them. Arguably, this is every hockey fan's Christmas. After the Stanley Cup, free agency in hockey is the most exciting of the four major sports. There is more intrigue to see what happens to unrestricted free agents and restricted free agents. Clubs can change the entire outlook and culture of their respective teams at this time. It can also be just as equally terrifying to see favorite players sign elsewhere. And since the salary cap took hold of the league, free agency in the NHL represents just how fair the league can balance teams. Whether it's adding that missing piece or drastically changing the future of a franchise, all hockey fans are excited to open up their July 1st presents. So lace up and lock in and welcome our guests from NHL Trade Deadline 2018, Duff. How you doing, Duff? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing great, man. So you uh, you also have a horror podcast as well that you do? Yep. Um, it starts, our first episode is filming uh, this Tuesday. Um, it's called the Dream Warriors, uh, or Scream Warriors podcast, I'm sorry. Nice. And that was and, uh, June, 20, uh, June 26th, it'll be. Correct. Yep. Nice. We'll, we will be filming it this Tuesday, and that should be hitting YouTube uh, shortly after once uh, my man Johnny gets everything uh, transferred. Excellent. Perfect. Anyone who uh, is listening to the show, I'll have that in the show notes down below. Excellent. So NHL Trade Deadline 2018 is a Facebook group that anybody can go on Facebook and search and uh, follow you, uh, like and share. Uh, That's how we get these things done. So make sure you check that out. Um, So without any further ado, Duff, for the listeners, let's define what unrestricted free agents and restricted free agents are in the NHL. Um, the difference is with restricted free agency, um, they're under a certain age group. Um, it's their first contract that they sign with the team um, coming out of the draft. So what a restricted free agent can do, and a team can do with a restricted free agent, is... Uh, the team itself has more of an option um, when it comes to re-signing the player. Um, teams can offer restricted free agents uh, deals, but with them being restricted, uh, the club that holds their rights can match that deal. Unrestricted free agency, the difference is if a team offers a contract, the player is free to sign with that team without uh, his current team being able to, to stop them. So in the NBA, uh, restricted free agents, the team that they're with is allowed to give them a larger contract than any other teams. Is that similar in the NHL? Yes. Okay. Yep. They can uh, give like an extra year, length, an extra couple million correct. per year. Okay. With with unrestricted free agency, the team that is signing you that you weren't drafted by can offer you seven years. Um, wow. With when it comes to the team that drafted you, uh, it's the team can offer you eight years. Nice. Okay, so this year, who would you classify as probably your top five free agents that highlight this year's free agency in hockey? Um, really, an un- unrestricted. I mean, the big dog is uh, John Tavares out of the New York Islanders. Oh, yeah. Everybody's looking um, for him. Yep. Uh, latest report on him is that uh, 
He is in on the uh, going negotiations with New York right now. That's um, typical. It's really going, yeah, it's really going to be kind of the Steven Stamkos saga of last year. Okay. Um, really, no pieces can really, really go anywhere. Yeah. Until that that guy is, is signed. Yeah, you got to wait for the uh, first chip to fall before any of the other ones can fall in line. Yeah. And it's interesting too. Uh, like maybe he might sign like the day before because if I'm not mistaken, Stamkos signed what a day before free agency started, or a couple it was days a before couple last of days, year. Correct. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's yeah, that's the intrigue, before. man. And a million fan bases wept. Yeah, especially the Red Wings. Yeah, we all had the wet <laughs> dream that we were going to get Stamkos here. Yep, and it was uh, it was definitely um, a lot. A lot of teams obviously got to get their plan Bs and Cs right now in in line. Um, because you you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, are any of the top five players are they goalies? I mean, I feel like a goalie has no. the chance to like really fundamentally uh, honestly, change. Honestly, next year next year is going to be the bigger goalie market. Right now, this year, the biggest uh, free agent goaltender is Robin Robin Leonard, and uh, or I'm sorry, Michael Layton, and that's that's really the biggest name. Um, that's not really anything that's going to intrigue. There's a restricted free agent. Uh, uh, Philip Grubauer out of Washington, who is ready to be a starting goalie. So there could be a potential for Washington to possibly make a trade to move him to a team that's in need for a goalie. But in free agency, uh, goalie really isn't uh, that, that big this year. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, with uh, my five free agents, the top ones that I have, I got Joe Thornton. I know he's getting up there in age, and most people don't consider him a top five. I, I guess maybe just based on name, but Joe Thornton's a leader. You get Joe Thornton on your team, you're changing it. Maybe you're not getting all the play that you used to have from Joe Thornton five, six, seven years ago, but you're still getting a force on a team that can dictate a locker room. So I really like Joe Thornton. Um, obviously, we just talked about John Tavares. Um, another one, um, John Carlson, defenseman out of Washington. Yeah. You know, Our team's going to be able to lure him away from Washington where they just won the cup and they're planning it to, you know, they're all, they, they, they called it out in their, their parade. You know, we want back-to-back. So he's another one. Um, and then the last two that I have are um, James Van Riemsdyk and uh, Paul Stastny. So you're right. There's really no yep. goalies. I mean, pretty much it's forwards and one defenseman and John Carlson. That's kind of my yep. top five. Is it kind of, does that fall in line with your top five? Yeah. And another another wild card that's going to be out there is uh, Ilya Kovachuk coming back from Ooh, Russia. Oh, I forgot it. Yeah, you're right. Ilya Kovachuk coming from the KHL. So... I know that name. He's he's going to be another wild card. Um, really, it's really right now my top ones. John Carlson is probably next to Tavares. He's number two to me. Um, he came off of a sixty point season for a defenseman this year, so that's that's huge. Um, the, and Washington is kind of deep as defense goes, so there could be a possibility that he does leave. Um, it's just, it's really the money. Uh, the caps have, um, a little bit of cap space, uh, to play with. And, um, so that could be something, um, that they could look as of right now, they sit at about a little over $11 million in cap space. Um, and you also do have to look at the, the salary cap increase. Um, salary cap could increase anywhere from three to $8 million this year. From seventy-eight million to eighty-two, so that's so also the, going to dictate. So, for the listeners, what is the current salary cap at right now in the NHL? 
the the current salary cap right now is set at seventy five million dollars, and so we're projecting to see it go up to about seventy eight, possibly eighty million dollars a year. Seventy eight to eighty two, okay, is what they're predicting, and that's because of the success of the Vegas Golden Knights. And that's that's um, free agency in the salary cap. I mean that. It's not like other sports for the most part. You've really got to maintain your money and understand what you're doing when you're going after these free agencies with a cap, correct? Correct. Um, you don't want to get stuck, especially, I mean, you can really look uh, on the wings side right now. Um, you can. You don't want to get stuck in the bad contracts and hurt you in it hurts you uh, in the long run. Yeah, you don't want to pull a Johan Franzen. Correct, and then the Red Wings got a few of those those contracts right now that thankfully are starting to going to be coming off the books in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Aaron had uh, and I spoke a little bit before we started this interview. Um, NHL free agency isn't like the NBA where there's really only four or five teams that are in play for any of the major free agents, right? In the NHL, like star players or you know, high-level players anyway, are willing to go to uh, basically any team in the league. It just depends on if the money's there and because um, it's, it's, I think it's just more open. It's not as top-heavy as the NBA. Yeah, correct. I mean, there's more parity in the NHL than there is really, I think, in any any league out there. So it only takes one or two guys to get to a team, I think, that, that can make that team uh, a contender. So... When you look at basketball and some other leagues, you got your one, two, three teams, your Clevelands, your Golden States. After that, everybody is all kind of in the mix. Here, it's there's so much parity where it's the salary cap kind of hurts that. I mean, not hurts that, but maybe helps the parity. Makes like you were saying more teams competitive because teams can only spend a certain amount of money. So it makes it easier for teams to get bigger players because. Uh, other teams maybe you know capped out really can't do anything. Yeah, and like the NBA, they kind of have a cap, but they also have what they call yeah. a luxury tax. So they get to like cheat basically. They get to do. I mean, yeah. they can't go out of control, but they get to just say, you know what, screw it, we'll just pay whatever amount of money. You can over. Yeah, you can pay for your. Team. Yeah. Similar to baseball. And when they go, when they go over, they have to pay like a certain percentage penalty, and if an owner's got the money, they don't care. Yeah. So which team do you think? needs to have a big free agency presence this year going into the July 1st deadline? Um, honestly, it's the team that's going to be able to do the most, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay. Um, they, they have one of the – they have a lot of salary cap space, and they got a lot of success off of their inaugural season going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, and they're sitting at a good position to where I think if they can bring in one or two, three big name guys, which they have, they also have a lot of assets. They got a lot of draft picks through the expansion draft last season by not taking certain players from teams. They got competition uh, of draft picks. So they got a lot of assets to make trades. They've got the money to sign the free agents. They've got the market that obviously looks like they're they want hockey. So it looks to be now a team a year ago that wasn't even existing to now it could be the hottest destination for some of the big free agents and also some of the big trading chips. 
Yeah, and that's a big thing. I mean, Vegas coming off of a successful season. I mean, they got to the Stanley Cup Finals. I think they, they didn't stand a chance against Washington, in my opinion, watching those games. Um, but they have two unrestricted free agents of their own in James Neal and Dave Perrin, both left wingers. Um, mm-hmm. In the NHL, it, loyalty seems to come into play a little bit more than other sports. Um, not necessarily maybe the players, but the organization as a whole. Do you think the Las Vegas Knights need to be loyal to those two forwards and make sure they lock them up or give them the new contracts? Or can they afford um, to let them walk? I, I, they can afford to let them walk. Um, David Perron was not a big contributor um, to the team. He was a third, fourth-line player. He actually was scratched a couple times uh, in the playoffs. So... Um, I mean, he could he could be brought back as depth, and it would be on the cheap. So, I mean, I'm not saying that they couldn't. Um, Neil, the thing with James Neal is he is he was kind of next to to me personally next to Flurry, especially in the expansion draft last year. James Neal was kind of like their their superstar. Um, they had a lot of unknowns that they brought on uh, via the expansion draft. Um, and guys like uh, William Carlson and Jonathan Marshall and a few others kind of uh, like came out of nowhere and had career years. Yeah, Carlson those are the especially. guys that they're going to want to that they're going to want to show loyalty to. They're younger. Um, James Neal's in his mid thirties, and I feel as though his game is kind of tailing down. I believe that there's more out there in free agency or via trade that they could bring in that can kind of give them more than what James Neal does. Like I said, not saying that they won't bring him back, but I feel I feel right now, and it's and it's hard to say loyalty with that team because it's such a young team, like that's not built up yet. Yeah. So it's it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I mean, they've been attached to Rick Nash. They've been attached to uh, Eric Carlson out of Ottawa. Yeah, those good veteran presences they could bring in. Yeah, and uh, supposedly reports were that uh, they were really pushing for a deal at the deadline this past season for Eric Carlson, but it just fell through, and that's why they went out and made the uh, Thomas Tatar trade with Detroit. So look, look for them to be the, the biggest, I, I think, the biggest uh, uh, active in free agency. Yeah, they, they're in a great spot. Is this potentially the best uh, expansion season a team's ever had? Like has oh, any, um, even like the Ravens, you know, I know they had good years early on, but I don't think mm-hmm. the very first year of their existing as a franchise, they went to the Super Bowl. You know, that's just, it's a major accomplishment for a team to have some space because they weren't able to take any superstars. You know, everyone protected their stars. So they're like really lined up to, you know, own the league for the next couple of years. Yeah, definitely. They um, they weren't expected to do anything, and already right now they are the most successful expansion team. It's the first time an expansion team has ever made a championship finals in their league in their inaugural season. Um, their management were looking into it being, okay, well, we got about a three-year window where we're going to hopefully be competitive in three years and maybe get a cup in five years. Well, that obviously excelled after one season, and really – it's all it's all theirs now. The only the only downside of them looking into next year is these guys that were so productive this year. It's not been consistent. They're very young. This, like I said, this is career years. Uh, like I said before, William Carlson, Jonathan Marshall. You don't know where they're going to be at next year. 
Okay. This year, William Carlson had 43 goals. The previous year, he had six. So you don't – I honestly, I think it's going to be in the middle of that. I could see him getting 25, maybe 30. But you don't, you don't know with what they're going to be next year. That's the biggest downside. And I think that's where I feel they need to be active in free agency to get those veterans, to get those established stars in. And and help the team go from there. Nice. Okay, let's bring it home. Let's uh let's talk about the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, they're coming off back to back non playoff seasons. Are they a team that needs to really make big moves? Like, is it vital for them to do that? And can they? Um, I don't think it's vital for them right now. Um, they're they're still in the beginning stages of the rebuild. Um. They're sitting good right now in the draft with a lot of draft picks. They have 11 picks in this year's wow. draft, uh, two in the first round, two in the second round, and then most than three in the third round. Yeah, we're not so used to that. they got a lot of picks. Yeah, no, we're not. Do we have a, <laughs> that's the, a high draft pick? Like, what's our draft? we got to be like our, one of the worst our, teams, right? we got the sixth, the sixth overall pick nice. this year. So, I mean, that's, that's so, room, though. In the NHL, can you find a star at six, though? Oh, yeah. You can find a, this, a star at 270. From all I mean, all the scouting, it's still top uh, all the scouts that have been going this year, they say it's after 10, after pick 10. Gotcha. Um, it's kind of shady, but from 1 to 10, uh, they can actually find some talent. So they yeah. have the ability to get a guy. I don't want to say he's going to be an immediate. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm thinking the Connor but, McDavid, the young, like you know, when you're picking a yeah. guy who first overall, second overall, like they're coming in, they Correct. are your star. Like you don't find those at six. The uh, the Pistons have dealt with it for the last five or six years too. They they pick at seven, they pick at eight, they pick at nine. Good enough to get yeah. a player, but not good enough to change your franchise. Yeah, you get a Brandon Knight or something Correct. like that, a guy Absolutely. that's here today, gone tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah, and. Um, they, there have been talks that uh, Ken Holland is open to moving that sixth-round pick, um, moving back to try to get more assets, maybe more draft picks, uh, maybe moving to seven, eight, nine, just to see how much. Because it all depends. When it comes to the draft, it's what other teams want. Yeah. So, like, if there's a guy that another team wants bad and they really want to give up another pick to move three spots up, they'll do it. And the Red Wings, like I said, if it good from one to ten they're moving two steps back the guy that they're picking at six and the guy that they could pick at eight is not going to be much of a difference so it's not going to hurt them and they're just going to get an extra asset out of it so um where are the where are the wings salary cap wise right now currently right now they sit at uh 17.4 million dollars uh of cap space which will turn into 21 because once the regular season starts, they can put Johan Franz on long-term IR, and his salary cap will become available to use. Okay. So currently, his cap is counted against the cap because he's not on long-term IR right now. But once the season starts, they have to put him on there. And that will give them the cap relief of him. So they're still paying him his money, but it's not counting against the cap because he's on long-term on IR. So that's what they said right now. So it'll be about $21 million, and that's before uh, the uh, increase of salary. So they could be looking at anywhere from 24 to $28 million in cap space, which I'd say probably 11 to maybe $14 million is going to have to be spent on 
uh, bringing back some of their restricted free agents because they got two big restricted free agents that they got to resign. So with the unrestricted free agents that the Wings have, uh, we know Mike Green, the defenseman, obviously. David Booth, one of the forwards, a local guy. and Actually, you know him. And uh, Jared Carreau, the goalie. Um, of those three free agents, what is your opinion of what the Wings need to do? Um, well, they're they're done with they're going to be done with Booth. Um, that's it was a good feel good story, and it's kind of a good story to do while your team, I guess, maybe isn't really Competing. considered correct. And um, like you said, I did I do know him. Um, I went to school with him when we were, when we were kids, so. I uh, know his family really well, um, but that's they they did they gave him the last two games to play last year as his final two games because they had him scratched a lot this season. Um, I would say out of the three of our bigger restri- unrestricted free agents, honestly, I would think Corot might be the one that they possibly bring back because they are going to need a backup goaltender and they could probably bring him in at the cheap. Yeah, he didn't look too um, bad during the season. Uh, of the games I saw him starting net. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't care about any of the Wings goalies. I think they're all t- trash. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Honestly, as as a Wings fan, I'm so fed up with our goalie situation. Um, yeah. I'm I'm not saying Jared Carroll's the answer, but if we resign no. him, it wouldn't ruffle my feathers. Uh, Mike Green, to me, is the piece that makes me think, oh, we're he's probably not going to be a Red Wing next year. When we first signed him in that free agency, I was jumping out of my seat. He was... Me too. I wanted him so bad over the years. He had, he was all right with the wings. Um, I, I can't fault him because the wings as a whole just weren't any good at, anymore. They they weren't competing. Um, are you going to be sad, or do you think Mike Green is a guy that's gone? Um, I think he's gone because other he's next to John Carlson. He's going to be probably the top free agent. You think he still, there. you think he still holds the top free agent defenseman spot um, with the impending injury in his off season surgeries? No, he, he, he had a bounce back year this year. Offensively. He had about 40, I think 49 points this year, which is why he was such a coveted uh, trade piece at the trade deadline. Um, but he had a no trade cause, so that he only wanted one or two teams to go to, and those teams went other ways. So that's why he didn't move at the trade deadline. So of um, our restricted free agents, uh, who do you think other teams might covet and would be willing to do what it takes to take them away from the Motor City? Uh, in, in regards to that, I'm talking about Ana, Andreas Anastasiou. However, the heck you say Anastasiou. Yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi, Martin Furk. Dylan Larkin and Anthony Mantha. I mean, those are our five guys that are restricted free agents. Um, and we talked, you know, a team can want to sign them, but then we we match it and they have to jump higher, basically, is, is what Correct. it comes down to. So do you think you'll see any of these five guys leave? Yeah, I could see Athanasiu. And if that, it would actually be more via trade, I think, right now. They might trade his rights away um, because of the contract negotiation issues that he had last season where he was trying to get more money and the Wings weren't, just didn't have the cap to do it. So they um, came, came up with a deal. Uh, I think a team, and this is something that I was looking up, um, look at uh, the Carolina Hurricanes this year. They are going to be... They their doors are open for business. They are literally willing to trade anybody really right now. Jeff Skinner is the name that um, 
is could be on the move. And the one that I that ties into the Red Wings is defenseman Justin Falk okay. out of Carolina. Yes, his name was tied with Detroit at the last trade deadline, and Athanasiu's name was tied with that. So look at that possibly being a something that they could go back to. Carolina needs offensive help up front, and Athanasiu's got the speed. He's got he's got the talent. He could be a second-line player. It's just because of what the Webbing's got now, it's harder for him to crack the top six because they got Zetterberg, Larkin, Mantha, Nielsen, Nyquist. So they got a little they kind of they're kind of top heavy when it comes to their top six. And I feel after the CU keeps getting pushed to the third and fourth line and he's not able to really showcase his talent the way he can. And I think that's what's made him disgruntled. So I would see that that would be the player that I think would most likely be the one that would find his way out of the team. So we've talked about the unrestricted. We've talked about the restricted free agents. Um, Let's go away from losing Red Wings assets. What would be a dream free agent you could bring to Detroit in this free agency? John Carlson um, from the defenseman from Washington. Uh, The Red Wings are so bad at defense, and they're losing Mike Green, probably their best defender the last couple of seasons. John Carlson is would be he's young, he's only twenty seven. Like I said, he's a he puts up the points. He had sixty four points last year. He would be a guy that could see help the Red Wings move past this rebuild because he's got he's young enough to where we could do this for a couple of years and then we could still have him in his prime. So I think he's probably the top free agent that I would want. That would be my dream scenario. All right, is that? Do you think that's a likely scenario? And do you think it's one of the Red Wings' biggest needs going into free agency? Uh, the, the Red Wings got a lot. I mean, they're they're an, a mess all over the board. Goaltending, defense. Uh, they don't have a consistent scores. A lot of their guys give you twenty and twenty goals apiece, which I mean adds up to a lot. But they don't have that superstar up front yet. Um, I don't see it being a scenario because. Carlson will probably look um, for a big for a big salary, and I just don't know with bringing the guys back that they've got if that's something they can do. They do have a, a three big contracts coming off the books next year, so I would almost maybe say they might lock down their restricted guys this year. Maybe find one or two uh, guys to fill spaces this year, not in the free agency. But I think next year, I think, is where the Red Wings will really be active um, because we have Jimmy Howard coming off the books next year at his $5.2 million. Uh, Gustav Nyquist is coming off the books next year with his 4.9, And Nicholas Cronwall will be coming off the books next year um, with his $5 million. And I will see most likely um, Cronwall will most likely retire. He's 37 and has had a lot of injuries last few years. So that's about another eleven, twelve, fifteen million dollars of cap space that's coming off the books next year as well. Nice. Yeah, that kind of leads us into probably our, our last question here. Uh, you know, kind of to wrap it up. How long do you think it's going to be till the Wings are ready to contend again? I mean, what is the time frame we're looking at to where we're like, yes, it's playoff time again in Detroit? You know, Hockey Town is ready. We're going to make that push again. I mean that's that's hard to say because you look like I said you look at Vegas they were saying three to five and they did it at one. It, it, honestly, it could take one year. 
because if you get the right guys on board and if you make the right, it takes one. I honestly, I think they're to the point where it could take one good off season to where they could start being in the playoffs again. I don't think the team is a complete wash right now. We do have a lot of young players, um, especially in forward. Um, I think if we can tighten up the defense a little bit, maybe get one to two uh, defensemen, especially a superstar defenseman, and maybe another third pairing or uh, a third or fourth defenseman, I think we would be solid there. And then if we can get a good goalie, uh, next year's free agency has got a decent uh, list of guys, guys like Pecorine, um, Sergei Bobrowski, Marc-Andre Fleury. They're all going to be unrestricted free agents next year, and Jimmy Howard is going to be an unrestricted free agent. So that could be the, look, the year that they move on from their current goaltending situation and get us a, a superstar in that. And they would have the money because if they don't go out and spend a lot this year, they just kind of re-sign their restricted free agents, like I said, they got the draft to bring a whole bunch of young guys. They got guys like Marty Furk, Tyler Bertuzzi, um, and even more guys that could come up uh, right now, Michael Rasmussen, uh, their uh, ninth overall pick from last year. Looks like he could crack the lineup this year. So if they can get one or two good free agent periods and off-seasons under their belt, I think they would could – I'd say they could probably make the playoffs in about three to four years. Oof. All right, well – Thank you so much for joining us today, Duff. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Um, so no for problem. all the listeners, if you guys want to follow, um, jump on to Facebook and go to NHL Trade Deadline 2018. That's where you can find Duff's uh, page, um, talking hockey all time, all the time. Uh, he also has a upcoming horror podcast, uh, Scream Warriors podcast. He's going to be releasing that first episode. When did you say it was again, Robert? Uh, Tuesday, the 20th. Fifth, fourth, Tuesday the nineteenth. Tuesday the nineteenth. All right. So again, thank you so much, Duff, for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. All right. You have a great one, man. You too, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Under Channel. You can go ahead and find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, you can also visit our website, which is theunderchannel.com. Uh, the Under Channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Google Play, or anywhere else your podcasts are available. Thank you.